Before we look into God's word together, let us come before him in prayer again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be able to read your word and read it with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray that what we read this morning may indeed be helpful for us as we strive to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you may open their hearts to the good news that you have proclaimed through your Son. And we pray that they may repent and believe here this morning and that they may be rejoicing in heaven as one who was lost is now found. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, lots of people don't like the idea of hard work, of working. And sometimes I feel that way as well, particularly when I'm fairly exhausted. And I become envious of my children. I think children have the best kind of life and they're just completely unaware of how wonderful it is. Particularly even the really small infants. What is the job of a really small infant? Pretty much to sleep and eat and just relax. That's all they have to do. They have to focus on growing, but they don't have to focus their minds in that regard. They just eat and sleep. Eat and sleep. Another day comes along, eat and sleep. Isn't that sound, doesn't that sound like a wonderful life of just eating and sleeping? And so when we know hard work, we become envious of others and think, what a life where you can just eat and sleep as a child and then play. There is no work, there is no hard labour. This morning, uh, I want to come back to this passage that we've been working through in Hebrews chapter 4, and we've been looking at the rest of God and how God has a rest for us that can be experienced now and can be experienced in the future as we go into that eternal rest of God. And so we've been looking at this subject of rest for a number of weeks now, and you may be starting to think, well, there is no place for work. There is no place for work as a Christian. And I've addressed that in a couple of ways, but I want to focus on that particularly this morning about work for the Christian. Because we've come to verse 10 and 11, we've worked our way slowly through Hebrews chapter 4, and we've come up to verse 10 and 11, and I want to look firstly at this morning the subject that Christians work to enter God's rest. That's my first main point this morning. Christians work to enter God's rest. And clearly, the author of Hebrews wants the Christian to work to enter that rest. When we read verse 11, it says, in Hebrews chapter 4, if you've got a black church Bible, it's page 1186, he says, Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Let us make every effort to enter that rest. We have to work to enter that rest. And the word, therefore, make every effort does indeed have the subject of work involved because it's, it could be translated, make haste, hurry, be in earnest, concentrate energy on a particular goal. It's clearly the subject of work. And other authors agree in the New Testament. Other writers in the New Testament agree with this idea that you have to work to enter salvation. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, continue to work out your salvation. And Peter, so we had Paul agrees with this author of Hebrews, and Peter agrees. He says in 2 Peter 1, verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. 
For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. And Jesus himself says, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but... Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone gets into the kingdom of heaven, he says, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I think the reason the author of Hebrews wants us to work hard to enter that rest is because people who didn't work hard didn't enter that rest. What does he say in the rest of verse 11? He says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Who's the there in, in verse 11? Their example of disobedience? Well, it's talking back to the Israelites, which we've seen again and again. This author keeps using the Israelite example of there was a rest of God that was given to them, was promised to them, And then they didn't enter into it. Instead, they stayed in the desert 40 years and never entered that rest. And so he's saying some people did not make every effort to get into that rest. And so they stayed in the desert. They never entered the rest of God. And he's saying, make sure you're not one of those. Make sure you make every effort to enter into the rest of God and don't fall short of it like the people did in the desert. So... My first main point is Christians work to enter God's rest. But you may be thinking, hang on a minute. Haven't you been saying in previous weeks that we don't work to get into God's rest? That it's not about the work that we do? And is there a contradiction here then in the text? Because even in verse 10, we see that we're supposed to stop working. Verse 10, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. It says in verse 10 there, you're meant to rest from your work. But then in verse 11, it says make every effort. Is there a contradiction here in the book of Hebrews between verse 10 and verse 11? One says don't work. One says work to get into the rest. And so what are you supposed to do? If you don't work, you're damned. If you do work, you're damned as well. What are you supposed to do? Are you meant to work to get into heaven or are you not to or is there a contradiction here no what i think the author is saying here is make every effort to make you make sure you have what gets you into heaven make every effort to make sure you have what gets you into heaven and what gets you into heaven well i've said it again and again as we've been working through this book faith in jesus christ Belief in Jesus Christ is what gets you into heaven. And we've even seen that in this passage um, in chapter 3 of Hebrews, of, of Hebrews, verse 19. It says, so we see that they were not able to enter, that's the Israelites, because of their unbelief. What are we supposed to have to get into heaven? Belief. And even back in verse uh, 3 of chapter 4, it says, Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And we need to have faith. The author has been very clear about that, and he's going to be clear again and again if we continue working through this book in uh, later weeks. Faith is what gets you into heaven. Now, I want to be clear here that faith doesn't actually save you. It's Jesus Christ who saves. 
but you must believe that Jesus died for you. Because faith doesn't save. People have lots, lots of kinds of faith. They can believe all kinds of things. But faith doesn't save. It's faith in Jesus Christ that is necessary because he is the one who saves. You must believe that Jesus died for you. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying in verse 11 is, make every effort to enter that rest by making sure you're a believer, by making sure you have what it takes to get into heaven, faith in Jesus Christ. It's kind of like when you go to ride a bus. What do you need to get on the bus? You need a ticket. And so you have to make every effort to make sure you have that ticket to get on the bus so that you can rest your feet and take a ride rather than having to walk where you want to go. You must make sure you have that ticket. And it's the same for the Christian. He must make every effort to make sure he has the ticket of belief in Jesus Christ, that he is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So then the question remains, how do you make every effort? If what you're supposed to do, the work you're supposed to do is have faith, how do you make sure that you really are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has indeed died for you and you have accepted it in faith? How do you make sure that your faith is a genuine faith? Well, that brings me to my second main point. I've got uh, my second and third main points are how you evaluate your faith. And the second main point is Christians work to enter God's rest by checking if their faith is alone. By checking if their faith is alone. It's immensely difficult for people to become Christians because they don't want to think that Jesus does it all and to simply believe in him. We are proud creatures, and the message of Christianity is completely belittling. It says you can't do anything to get into heaven. Jesus has to do it all, and you simply accept it through faith. And so we must check whether our faith is in Jesus Christ and is in Jesus Christ alone. Other religions... Don't teach what Christianity teaches. Instead, they appeal to the pride of man and teach works will save you. We see that with a religion like Islam. In the Quran, it says, we shall both be judged by our works. It says that we will be judged by our works. And so they introduce all these things that you're meant to do. You're meant to fast. You're meant to pray a set number of times a day. You're meant to go on a pilgrimage. You're meant to give to the poor. And if you do those things enough, then you will get into heaven. And other religions like Hinduism and Buddhism also teach works save you. You must do good works if you are going to be safe. And so if you're to make sure that you have made every effort, that you have genuine faith, you must make sure that you believe in Christ for your salvation, not your works as a Muslim believes and a Hindu believes, and a Buddhist believes, and so many other offshoots of those religions and other religions believe, that your works save you. You must make sure that you have faith in Jesus Christ if you are to enter into heaven. It's like getting on the bus. Remember, you need a valid ticket. There are lots of tickets for buses. There are tickets for different days. There are tickets for different bus services. There are lots of different faiths in the world. But you must have the right one. And that is faith in Jesus Christ, not faith in your works and that they will save you. 
But even if you are vigilant and make sure that you believe in Jesus Christ and not your works, you've got to be careful because there's a temptation to believe in Jesus Christ but then also add your works to it. You may not believe in works completely save you like a Muslim does or a Buddhist does or a Hindu does but you may want to add works to your faith. You believe in Jesus Christ but you also believe that you're a pretty good person and that's what saves you. And other religions do this as well. They don't like the idea that it's faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves you. And so Roman Catholicism adds works to faith. They make clear statements that it's not faith alone that saves. You've got to do other things that the church teaches, like um, the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, Lord's Supper, penance, going to confession. Those things are what saves you with Jesus Christ. They give Jesus Christ prominence, but they add something to it. And Mormonism does the same thing as well. The Book of Mormon teaches that it is by grace that we are saved. Sounds perfect. After all we can do. After all we can do. That's directly from the Book of Mormon. You must do stuff and then grace makes up the rest. Grace through Jesus Christ. But it's not true. Because as soon as you start to add works to faith, you contaminate the lot and you're trying to be justified by the law, which Paul tells us quite clearly in Corinthians again, and Galatians again and again, that you're not justified by the law. If you are justified by the law, then you're not justified at all. He says in Galatians 5.4, You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. As soon as you start to add works and think, because I go to church regularly, because I read my Bible, because I pray, those things, plus belief in Jesus Christ, that's why I'm going to heaven. Well, then you've alienated yourself from Christ. It must be faith in Christ alone if you're to have the genuine faith that gets you into heaven. You can't add something to it. We take the bus ticket illustration again. You can't get a valid bus ticket and then add something to it that ruins it so that it's, it's no longer valid. If you put a big black text line through it so they can't actually read what is, it, uh, what is the ticket, then it's no longer going to be valid. If you add something to it, they won't accept it. If you give lots of crinkles to it so it doesn't go through the machine properly and so you can't get on the bus, you've added something to it. And so it's invalid, it's corrupted. And it's the same with faith. You may profess to have faith in Jesus Christ, but is it faith in Jesus Christ alone or have you added something to it? Do you believe that your good works plus faith get you into heaven? well, then you've alienated yourself from Christ and are no longer going to his rest. So you must make every effort, the author of Hebrews tells you here, make every effort to enter that rest. And I say from other parts of Scripture, the way you make every effort is by making sure your faith is in Christ and it's in Christ alone. Make sure you trust Jesus alone. So that's one way. Make sure your faith is genuine by making sure it's alone. The second way that you can make sure your faith is genuine is by checking whether it's dead faith. 
And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Christians work to enter God's rest by checking if their faith is dead. Christians work to enter God's rest by checking if their faith is dead. Dead faith doesn't save. Dead faith doesn't save you. And James teaches us this very well. And it's only a few pages over in your Bible, so I encourage you to go to James chapter 2, page 1197. James chapter 2, verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14, page 1197, where James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith can indeed be a dead faith. Not all faiths save. And you can have a dead faith. You can profess to believe in Jesus Christ, but that profession that you make is not evidence of a genuine faith in your life. So how do you know if your faith is dead? What does James say? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You must do good works to show that your faith is genuine. To prove to yourself and to those around you that your faith is genuine. Because genuine faith always shows itself in good deeds. That's what those other writers that I quoted earlier before we're talking about when Jesus says Lord Lord uh, people say to me Lord Lord let me enter into uh, heaven then he says no away from me you evildoers because you are evildoers the people who enter into heaven are those who do the will of my father he says you must do the will of the father because that's what believers really do because what have you believed if you believe in Jesus Christ you have believed that Jesus Christ took your sins upon his shoulders and died for them. He was punished with the punishment that you deserve, an eternity in hell. And if you really believe that, will you really add more punishment to him by sinning further? If you really understand how much God loves you in sending his one and only son, and then his son actually loving you so much that he took that punishment upon him, would you really want to sin further if you really believe that? No, you would not. You would not want to sin. And so if you really believe that, then that should be shown in your life by the way that you behave. It should be shown by the way that you keep God's greatest commandments of loving him and loving your neighbour. Loving God, loving your neighbour. If you don't see that happening in your life, then your faith is dead, according to James. God's word says your faith is dead. If you can look at your neighbour and say, I see your needs, I hope you do all right, and do nothing to help them, James says your faith is dead. And you should be very careful about what's coming next. Because if you have dead faith, What does that mean? You fall short of that heavenly rest. That's what Hebrews is saying. You're going to fall short because you haven't made every effort to make sure that your faith is genuine. You've seen that you're doing wrong things, but you haven't done anything about it. 
Now, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, yes, I see sin in my life. I'm concerned, Joel, by what you're saying. I'm worried that I'm not going to get into heaven. I'm not going to have that rest. I'm worried that my faith is not genuine. So what do I do about my dead faith that I see shown by the way that I live? Do I remind myself more of the rules of God, of how to love my neighbour and how to love God? Well, that's part of it. You can... You should be meditating upon God's rules and looking into his word. Psalm 119 is a wonderful uh, passage about how God's laws are pleasing to us and how we should be meditating upon them. And they're a great blessing to us. We should be reminding ourselves of the rules of God so that we can keep them, so that our faith is indeed genuine faith. But we can also fall into legalism there if we just completely always reminding ourselves of the rules so that we can have the right faith, so that we can see that our faith is genuine. What do you need to do if you aren't seeing genuine faith in your life by the way that you live? Well, you need to go back to the cross. You need to go right back and meditate upon what Jesus has done. Because as I said before, if you are truly a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't want to sin. You will still sin uh, until we reach heaven. It's one of those sad things about being still in this world. But you won't want to. You'll have these conflicting desires within you as your sinful nature still is warring against the spirit inside you. You should be going back to basics and looking at the cross all over again because that's your problem. If you continually have a problem with a particular sin, yes, you can put legal measures into place to try and keep you from sinning. But what you ultimately need to do is go back to what you think of the cross. Because if you really think that Jesus Christ died for you, if you meditate upon that and what it means for the Son of God to come and die, then you won't want to sin. That's what I need to keep reminding myself of when I see myself committing a particular sin again and again. What do you believe about the cross, Joel? What is your belief there? Is it really that God himself came and died for you? How, would you, how could you sin, Joel, if you really believe that? I need to remind myself of the cross all over again and meditate upon it. So the Christian must be someone that works, makes every effort to see that they have the faith that gets them into that heavenly rest. Not work to get into heaven, but work to make sure they have the faith that saves. The faith in Jesus Christ. Make sure they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, there's really two extremes we have to avoid as a Christian. One extreme is believing your works save you. Why am I going to heaven? It's because I'm such a good person. You've got to avoid that extreme. Even coming a little bit closer from that extreme is, I believe in Jesus Christ, but then I add some works to it. You've got to avoid that as well. But then there's the other extreme where you ignore works altogether. Where you think, I'll believe in Jesus Christ and sin as much as I like, and it's all okay because he saved me. He just keeps taking the sin and the punishment, and he's big enough, strong enough to take it all. And so I don't have to worry about works. No. James says no. If you're in that position, if you're over on that side, where you don't care about what you do because Jesus takes care of it all, then he says your faith is dead. 
We have to be very careful with the subject of good works because we can start to believe that they save us or we can start to believe that we don't need to do them at all. The Christian is a person who believes that Jesus Christ died for them and that's what gets them into heaven. But then they also show that faith. They're always looking at their faith to see whether it's genuine faith by the way that they live. They're reminding themselves of what pleases God because they want to please the one who died for them. And so the Christian avoids those two extremes when it comes to the subject of works and makes sure they're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and they believe that he died for them alone, that it's faith alone, but also looks in their life for works that spring from that faith. So do you make every effort to enter that rest by evaluating your faith? Do you look at the faith that you have? Do you make sure that it's faith in Jesus Christ alone? Do you look at that fact on a regular basis? Am I believing that Jesus died for me? Particularly for a Christian that's growing really well, they can start to trust in their good works. They can start to move away from believing simply that Jesus Christ died for them and move to trusting in their good works. We love works righteousness. By default, we all believe that good people are blessed and bad people are condemned. And so if we're good people, we will be blessed. But we're all bad people. And so it needs to be faith in Christ alone. And then do you make sure that your faith is accompanied by good works? When you see sin in your life, do you turn a blind eye to it? Or do you think, that's a wake-up call? Is my faith genuine? Because if I was a genuine believer, I wouldn't be doing that. Do you do that? Do you make sure your faith is accompanied by good works? Let's speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us in the place that we deserve to be. Lord, we cannot thank you enough for that wonderful gift of your Son and that it is not up to us and our works, but it is simply to be accepted by faith. Lord, we are proud people and we do not like to think that we need help from anyone. But Lord, we must admit that we are not what we should be. We are sinners and we need Jesus Christ to save us. We pray that we may all in this room be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in him alone. We may not add something to the work of Christ and alienate ourselves from him, but we may trust in him for salvation alone. And Lord, we pray that we may also make every effort to see that our faith is genuine faith by the way that we live. When we sin, Lord, scare us, make us fearful that this indicates we may not be genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. May it awaken us and may we go back to the cross and ask for forgiveness and may we find it there in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.